At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Habig, CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. Healthcare Americana is a podcast for the 99% of people who get care in America. We're not clinicians or policymakers. We're patients and caregivers, executives and advocates who are fed up with the status quo and we have a desire to change it. This podcast brings listeners backstage at innovative organizations with innovative individuals across America that are putting patients first by delivering exceptional care to anyone and everyone. There are a few buzzwords out there within the realm of innovation and technology that have more of a nebulous type of ethereal kind of definition around them. And they're important and we know that we need to know about them, but not a lot of people do. Anybody reading the tea leaves, I'm talking about blockchain, Web3, if anybody's ever heard of those, and how they bring innovation to a stagnant industry, usually is how I call it, of healthcare. To help us through that conversation, understand a little bit more about the blockchain and the Web3 and where we can go with that and how that can really impact things such as healthcare research, please welcome Jacob Beckley, chairman of the Beckley Foundation, the executive vice president of technology, product, and innovation at Fusion 92, and the founder and CEO of Cure Token. Jacob, welcome to the show. I don't know how you find time in your day to do everything that you do, but thanks for taking time to join us. No, thank you for having me. It's, it's a great conversation, great topics. I'm looking forward to this. I mentioned a couple of those kind of futuristic buzzwords that people understand and say, well, that's kind of the crypto kind of a thing. I don't understand how it works, how it functions, what applications are there. I know I can go buy some cars with Bitcoin or something along those lines, but I don't really understand what else is going on here. Give us a quick kind of background of what blockchain is and what Web3 is. And I'm not even sure I'm super clear on it too. So anything, uh, you know, dumb it down for me to that fifth grade level that I love and uh, can actually understand. Yeah, absolutely. So start with blockchain. You know, blockchain is, it's an immutable, you know, contract that there's something occurred. There was a transaction and it's, uh, it can't be disproven, you know, and, and uh, that happens in a sequence of what we call blocks and, uh, then blocks get added to each other, and that's what makes a chain. But uh, the simple way that people look at this is through the lens of cryptocurrencies. You know, like you said, Bitcoin, for example, Ethereum, Polygon, things like that. And uh, the the real value of it is out, outside of cryptocurrencies. That's just the asset side. That's the tokenomics token side of it. But the real value is in you know proof of authenticity of data. For example, the uh, the proof that a transaction occurred. That's never going to be immutable. So something happened. You know, it could be in supply chain. I think that's a great use case for, for blockchain, especially in healthcare. But what we have started to take it is uh, with this new project, which we call CureChain. And CureChain is applying blockchain technology to the research sector, the healthcare side of things, but specifically on research to enable more rapid breakthroughs to occur you know, at a rapid pace, but also create more collaboration. All that's done through technology. So 
blockchain, you know, summing it up is just a simple way through technology to be able to prove that something happened and, and something has occurred. Uh, but uh, it gets really exciting once you start to apply tokenomics to it and economics and all these other outside aspects to it to really make it a powerful thing, not just for healthcare, but all industries. What's the fundamental benefit of opening up? You know, we mentioned research. Let's, let's go there because that's a big part of really what you're doing and, and, and who you are here. So weaving in or looking at the lens of healthcare research, innovation research with blockchain, what are some of the benefits of doing it this way versus, I don't know, I guess the, the old tried and true model? Well, I could talk for hours on this topic, but I mean, I think if we look back at like the pandemic, for example, you know, and we kind of reflect and, you know, I mentioned I'm in innovation. So my brain is always thinking about how did this occur? Why did this occur? What are the problems? What are the problems before that problem? And like, that's what innovation is, you know, putting things together, seemingly invisible dots, connecting them in new ways. And you come out with something that's breakthrough, you know, and what's what's happened is, is that in, in healthcare, it's just extremely difficult to be innovative, you know, and it's not that people don't want it. It's just that it's extremely difficult. It's just that the industry doesn't really tend to adopt innovation very easily. People like the old ways or the, you know, the ways that things have been done in the past. But what the next generation, you mentioned Web3 and blockchain, but blockchain is the future in healthcare. And what it does is it provides the biggest value, I think, is transparency. You know, so you get transparency into so much. So again, looking back at the pandemic, I, I asked myself, you know, how is it that we were able to come up with a vaccine so quickly, have it be readily available and accessible? on a mass scale worldwide. And by dissecting that problem into hundreds of different variables and then categorizing them, you start to realize that, that the difference was, is that uh, there were really three buckets. One is that research throughout the world really stopped happening in these silos and pockets. And that's the way it is today, unfortunately. You get some funding for some specific research and that happens in kind of a vacuum. And every once in a while, there's findings that are released or a research paper, but it's kind of isolated. And during the pandemic, all that changed, you know, and it became a culture of collaboration. You know, people needed to work together. And, you know, the second thing was that there was a, you know, just an immense amount of data that was accessible that wasn't historically available before. And, you know, that was coming from governments, from private organizations, even from social media. Data from that was being leveraged for research. And, you know, access to it became a lot easier. That's also another solve that, that blockchain transparency and accountability provides through technology. And then the third thing was the motivation. You know, the motivation being that uh, nobody knew how bad it was going to be. So, you know, you didn't want to be affected. You didn't want your family to be affected. You didn't know how, what the cascading effects of this would be, how long it would be around. So there was, a, there was just an incentive to work together mm -hmm. and get there faster. So what I believe is that through the power of all this technology and specifically built on blockchain tech, we can replicate that, put it in a bottle and then give it to researchers and say, okay, this is now a platform that you can leverage and use that's going to put us back into that scenario where we can do, uh, you know, rapid innovation, rapid prototyping. You know, we can do just at, at a mass scale, come out with some bigger breakthroughs much faster than it has historically ever been done before. I love the concept of, of working together, you know, different biopharma companies, bioscience companies working together. My biggest question of that is how the economics play into it, right? Mm -hmm. You mentioned, yeah, research happens in silos because, well, there's dollars and cents behind that research getting there first before anybody else. How do you fix something like that and just make it work for everybody in this type of scenario? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways. And I can get really deep into the uh, token side of this, tokenomics side of this. But the reality, the simplest way to explain it is, is this is coming into 
this situation that exists today and flipping it on its head, you know, and it's saying, we're not going to solve this problem. We're not going to have faster breakthroughs by working top down. This has to be a community driven ground up initiative. And by, by starting at that point, I'll give you a, an example, you know, when, uh, when DeFi started, you know, decentralized finance, and this is going back to era when Bitcoin was coming out and, you know, just some of the early projects, there was not adoption and people were really scared of it, you know, and there was a big movement from the top down to say, from financial institutions to say, this is bad. Stay away from this stuff. This is disrupting, moving our cheese. This is disrupting our A card. You know, this is- But there's still, there's still kind of is, if you look at oh. what's happening at the federal level. <laughs> sort of. Well, they're trying, they're trying to understand it more. Obviously, they're trying to get some regulations in there. But looking back, you know, 10 years ago, every single financial institution, government organization was scared, you know, and they didn't want to participate. And that movement has shifted. And now, every single financial institution knows that they need to participate in uh, cryptocurrencies in order to stay relevant, stay current and be here tomorrow at the end of the day. So it's, it's been a slow adoption, but it was an inevitable adoption. That exact same thing is going to be happening in healthcare. And it already has started. It's a movement that healthcare needs to pivot a little. They need to change. They need to become future-proof the industry. And the way that's going to happen is by having these pharmaceutical companies and health organizations adopt this technology sooner rather than later in purposeful ways, you know, not just to play in the space just because they need to, but for purposeful and meaningful ways that solve some real problems. And you know, blockchain technology, for example, is great for supply chain. And there's a lot of supply chain issues in healthcare and uh, you know, just the, the accountability of it as well. That's a space that I know there's a lot of innovative technology being developed. But, uh, but where we're going is more the research side to really just open up that black box to say, you know, we can get the community involvement in this. We can create the tokenomics that incentivize people to participate and incentivize, you know, researchers and specifically their funding sources to want to participate. And it's an economical model that uh, I believe is going to be not only viable, but extremely successful. I love the decentralized aspect of it. I think you talked about cryptocurrencies and how they adopted. And you know, just now the feds are starting to say, well, okay, what do we do with this? And how do we extract our tax dollars on top of it? Because we really have no control over monetary supply. And I love it based on that, seeing what is happening when we just print a ton of dollars and, and what happens when inflationary forces are hitting us now across the US. But you know, with cryptocurrency, like you said, there's just more familiarity around there. And people can look at this and be like, wow, I can actually turn this, keep using Bitcoin, but you know, there's a bunch of them out there. I can actually turn this out and go actually buy product. And so it's distributing the, that power into the hands of millions and billions of people out there not being controlled at one central bank reserve, whatever you want to call it. Where I want to go with this line of questioning is, you, know, you mentioned that blockchain and healthcare can turn the current system on its head. Expand a little bit about that knowing I have an idea where you're going, but give us a little bit of color into what that means and how that relates to other examples. You know, the past 10, 15 years that we've seen these things get taken out of top-down approaches and really distributed out amongst marketplaces. Yeah, I think the, the first example of that is, is definitely cryptocurrency in general. You know, the fact that, that we don't rely on, you know, centralized currencies anymore. And there's, and there's some real powerful examples of this just as of very recently with the war and, and potentially mass scale war that's going on in Ukraine. I mean, there's a lot of cryptocurrency transactions that are taking place there that are showing and demonstrating the power of decentralized currency. Mm -hmm. When you start talking about healthcare, uh, the power is in the data. The monetization is in the data. And 
everybody's trying to monetize the data. Why isn't it that the consumers, the patients themselves aren't monetizing their data? I mean, it's their data, you know, and of course there's, you know, factoring that goes on to that, of course, but at the end of the day, it's, it's theirs, it's their proprietary information. And that's what CureChain is, is doing in, in the real world example is decentralizing the data aspect, allowing monetization to take place, but as well create an incentive stream to want researchers to access it and be rewarded for usage of it. And it's creating this, this uh, economic model of incentive uh, where it, it, it's just going to create mass participation, both from the individual perspective, as well as, uh, you know, all the way up the chain from the primary caregiver to the, to the uh, pharma, pharmaceutical companies, to the healthcare organizations, all the way up to the, the researchers. And it's going to be a full loop circle. We're talking with Jacob Beckley, the chairman of the Beckley Foundation uh, on this episode today. So, Jacob, I, I just want to, if I could just kind of absorb that, because what you just said to me sounded like people can volunteer their health data in this type of a, you know, in the cure token system, in the new healthcare blockchain. I can sign up and say, yeah, here's all my vitals. Here's all my history. Here you go. And then I get compensated for sharing my information and my data for research purposes. That's exactly right. And, it, and that's just the beginning. You know, um, what, what you, the real value here is, is people want to know the accountability side of things. What is their information being used for? Mm-hmm. And is it being used for purposeful results? And uh, that's, that's important. A lot of times people are lazy, they don't care, you know, at the end of the day, but, but it's an important thing that people know that they have that control. Uh-huh. And that they that they have the control not only of their data but but the usage of it uh, throughout the stream, and it also creates this uh, the situation where where people can participate in in kind of driving and informing through, you know, uh, getting involved in in studies, for example. You know, they could be we now that the data is coming in, being opted in, they're getting rewarded for it. They can also opt into additional studies and we can identify sooner and faster. The other most powerful thing about blockchain is something I even neglected to say early on, but it's anonymous and it's, it's agnostic. So it's not tied to an individual. So it's not like you're saying, hey, I'm Jacob Beckley. Here's my medical information, my most personal thing about me. Here it is. Go use it. This is, uh, this is completely anonymous, an- anonymized. Uh, through a wallet-based system. So you're just given a, a unique ID, uh, basically summing this up. If anyone knows about non-fung- non-fungible tokens or NFTs, which is a big topic now uh, throughout the world, NFTs are, are much more than just images and videos and graphics of apes and monkeys. It's NFTs are about data. And what, what this concept is, more than concept, we're in development now, but it's a, uh, it is a dynamic NFT tied to your personal health data that gets appended to over time. And that has a value to it. And that value should be rewarding you, but it should also be incentivizing research to happen faster and and farther. So it's a pretty big ecosystem that's being built. It's being built on an existing blockchain. So we're not relying on on infrastructure supporting layer two or layer one. It's going to be built on something that's proven, something that's cheap fees for transactions, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's just an incentive and reward-based model. It is a huge concept, right? And and when you get into NFTs, and again, I'm just gonna just kind of mirror some stuff back to you, just make sure that you know I'm not uh, I'm not speaking out of turn or, or or totally taking something you say opposite. So NFTs are something that is unique. There's only one of them. They're a digital product. 
unlike going out and buying prints of a, of a you know, a Vincent Van Gogh Starry Night, there's millions and millions of these prints out there. Not so much with these digital NFTs, non-fungible tokens. And so, you know, what I'm hearing you say is that every single person's health data is its own NFT and should be treated thus. That's exactly right. Yeah. And then to add another layer on top of this, you know, we were talking about cryptocurrencies a bit ago. And let's use Bitcoin because everybody, I think, knows what Bitcoin is. But when you talk about Bitcoin, you're talking about a token, a thing. You're owning a piece of a thing and there's a, a value associated to it. When you tie or layer that on top of NFTs, NFTs are a token, but they're also a smart contract and they can also have data applied to it. They can also have business and technology rules applied to them. So you can add so much dimension to what was historically just an asset, a single asset. Now it's a single asset that has so much more underneath it and that has a lot of value. So it's uh, building a, a tokenized model for data that's tied to people's personal health information anonymously and agnostically for the use and purpose of furthering research. And then on the research side of things, the researchers access this information in order to make more informed decisions or identify people for potential focus groups or you know research studies, just so many uses. I mean, even if there's nothing more coming out of it, it's just except for things like trend data of what are the demographical informations of this type of NFT and what are the health conditions of it and, uh, and just mapping it through, you know, just different types of logic and artificial intelligence and other things just to pull it all together and to make informed insights. If nothing more than that, that's a significant value. Sure, sure. So in my attempt to kind of connect the dots here of our, of our discussion and kind of single thread these, these um, really fascinating things that we, we've been talking about. So we started talking about how a lot of medical research takes place in silos right now and how do people get their test subjects, how do they look at different types of data. And a lot of that is just, I have my data, I'm not sharing it. And you go do your own studies over here that costs time and money and energy, right? So with this, I could say, look, I want to volunteer my health data into this blockchain, into your system, your cure, and let different researchers access that pool and it's all anonymous. I actually get rewarded for that. So it's not like a nameless search engine taking all of my digital footprint and then selling it to an advertising company to sell me more personalized soap or body wash or something. You're actually providing information that could help save lives through that. Correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm getting kind of things mixed up here, but it sounds like there's a huge value that research organizations can access data from an individual level that is secure, that is actually rewarding people for pitching in and uh, help solve problems. But you know there could be potential monetary rewards there too, rather than going out and forming their own things and wasting energy, wasting time, wasting money, not yeah. talking to anybody and not sharing anything. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And I got so many points I can make on that top or on those points you just made. But, but first, I started my foundation in 2016, a nonprofit foundation, and it was focused exclusively on raising money for pediatric cancer research. Mm -hmm. And I did that for years and raised almost close to a million dollars through the foundation and personally to, to help. And we were, we were funding a variety of different researchers and, and still to this day do. But I feel that the future state of research is enabling them to have more, do more, get access to more and, and just arm them with more resources uh, rather than, than just sending over checks and saying, okay, now go put this towards what you need. Let's create some community engagement and involvement. And let's, you know, let's give them tools and resources that they can be more efficient and have better results 
and feel like they're accomplishing more. So all of that coming together, what's driving this? The uh, point about the monetization, you know, there's also a gap on the research side where they need funding. They need funding and they're going to pharmaceutical, they're going to government organizations, they're going to their closed loop uh, network of hospitals and other researchers in order to get that funding. They're going private sector as well, you know, but what if that can change? What if you didn't have to rely on that? What if you could rely on, on a, a community-driven initiatives to fund research, almost like a, a crowdsourcing? So that's the tokenomics side of this, is that there's tokenomics which can help fund and fuel research to enable it to occur. You know, the other flip side of that is that researchers are sitting on an immense amount of data that they can then contribute back, you know, and they can monetize. So they could fuel their next research and their, their next trial or whatever the case may be. And uh, this, this ecosystem is not, although we're focusing right now on phase one, which is patient data, getting that in, getting the arms or, or hands of researchers, the flip side is we also have to go the opposite way, get researchers to want to share and collaborate and get rewarded for that at the end of the day. So it's building, again, that closed loop sort of reward-based model uh, to incentivize researchers and get them to not have to rely on the current, I guess, status quo of how we operate, where it takes six to six to nine months to a year to get a grant and two years, three years to perform research. And by the time you're done, you're already out of date. You know, it's already kind of behind the curve. Yeah. And if anybody has spent any time researching or writing grants and waiting for those approvals, their eyes should pop open and say, oh, wow, hey, here's something that could speed the market or increase the speed or uh, I guess shorten the window that it takes to do some innovative research here because you're not waiting on, like you mentioned before, the top-down approach. And it's just like, man, if you if you take all those research, all those research, the grant writers, excuse me, and you bundle together the time and the effort, and I know I said this before, but the energy required to write those grants and then submit them and then wait and, and do rewrites and kind of pitch it, I guess. What if those people were actually focused on their research and not just filling out forms? in an effort to get some foundation or government money coming their way. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's worth the price of admission, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I said, you know, in, early on, I said innovation is about figuring out what the problem is and then figuring out what's causing that problem and then what's causing that problem. And the further you can get back through the problem matrix, that's where you're going to find the biggest, most breakthrough innovation. And I think the problems, unfortunately, in this space need to, as I said, be completely flipped on its head. And I think that by doing that, uh, we're going to really change things, shake things up. And, and like you said, enable people to do what, what they do best. You know, a lot of times these researchers, they don't know how to write grants and they shouldn't, you know. But they don't want to, right? It's a painful process. Right. It's a painful process of doing it, waiting and revising. Go do some research. Go do the things that the reason you entered into the research space is, is not to write papers on applying for grants. It's to come up with breakthrough. It's mm -hmm. to make a difference. It's to feel like you're contributing to something greater. That's the whole reason I believe, I believe that people get into research and the fact that we bog them down with paperwork and process and review boards and all these sorts of things that are built to inhibit and make things stale and, and stunt the growth of progress. I think that's where we identify the problem and see what, we, what can we do to extract that from the situation. And that's, that's what CureChain is trying to do. Talking to Jacob Beckley, chairman of the Beckley Foundation, you just said something. I think you could extend that to the entirety of what we call the healthcare industry. Yeah, that could easily be applied to that. You know, my, the reason <laughs> I'm focusing on uh, on research is because you know my foundation has been funding it for so long. That's where my passion is, and that's where I feel I'm going to make the biggest difference from. Uh, I guess private sector, 
But, but you're right. It could be applied to everything in healthcare. I mean, supply chain, we've talked about that a few different times. That is ripe for innovation. You know, supply chain is, is so broken and it's a very complex thing. And it uh, has a lot of people with their hands out along the way, collecting some funds. But you add a little bit of technology there, drop a little bit of blockchain in there, and you can revolutionize the healthcare industry just from that perspective alone. Yeah, absolutely. And usually on these conversations, we talk to people, they say, well, it's an incentive problem in healthcare. And a lot of that finger pointing is, is pointing towards insurance companies. But like you were saying, the overburdensome requirements in order to get something done in medicine on the care side, treatment side, and even the research side, I mean, it should be clear as day to anybody who's having experience with that, that my goodness, there are some massive obstacles and bureaucracy and red tape that we've thrown up that has seriously inhibited innovation. You know, and I love that word innovation because it it's so broad. Like people can do a lot of different things. You know, we were talking offline here that you know, Freedom Health we're focused on innovating within business models of care delivery. You're innovating, you know, on incredible, you know, research topic of trying to defeat pediatric cancers, you know, going after uh, in your words, the most deadly forms of cancer and, and seeing if there's lessons and, and techniques there that can apply to others, you know, to really save lives. And we're and you're, and you're building these dollars and these investments and these research kind of funds in a totally unique way. Are you seeing that the researchers are responding to your methodology to really kind of what you're building there within the cure tokens and within the blockchain? Yeah, I think so. You know, all the researchers I've spoken to, there's definitely an appetite for change. You know, I think everybody recognizes that that something is broken and that the only way to change it is going to be through through trying new things. And I'm not saying this is the end all answer. This is going to be an iteration, evolution of this concept into it's going to come to life in different forms. But the, the response has been you know, overwhelmingly great. I mean, one of the major, major, major problems with uh, just innovation in healthcare. And you said it yourself. It's, it's the incentive. You know, there's no incentive. And that's why this is called cure. You know, there's no incentive to cure disease. There's no incentive to eradicate cancer. You know, there's so much money being made throughout the supply chain and the ecosystem and the healthcare ecosystem that by extracting the word cancer or the disease cancer from that, that's a trillions and trillions of dollars that's going to need to be filled with something else to, in order to support lives and economies and industry. So it's, uh, there's no motivation to do this. So that's why it also needs to be solved from the bottom up. And I think that's what's resonating with researchers is that, they, as I said, they went into this because they wanted to make a difference. They wanted to do good. A lot of them you know, just want to, want to change lives. And, it's, and once you get in there, you don't realize that your hands are cuffed. You know? So you got these handcuffs in your lives and you have to operate a certain way. And you spend 20 or 30 years in the research career and you feel like you haven't accomplished much because you can't. You're not enabled to. Let's change that. Because these are the people that are going to change the world. Let's give them the tools and the resources and remove the obstacles to allow them to do that. Uh, very well said. Very well said. We kind of, uh, our, our gallows humor you know, within, within our company is that there's no insurance billing code for actually curing somebody. To your point of, you know, it, it's a profitable business, serious disease treatment. There's a lot of money there, as you mentioned there. So Jacob, I want to give you the last word here. If somebody is interested in participating, learning more about what you guys are doing, give us a little heads up about where you are, where you're going, and then how can anybody get involved? Yeah, well, we are in full swing development. And I haven't even talked about who's behind this, but we have an individual named Jim Nasser, And he, is, he used to be the head of the CDC for blockchain technology and architecture. 
uh, he worked there for many years and then went off and started up Acor uh, Technologies, which is a specifically a blockchain technology healthcare company. So we partnered with him. He's now our uh, senior advisor on technology. I was just out there on Monday down in Atlanta to really bring this whole thing to life and figure out how are we going to get to a demonstrable prototype in a very, very short period of time. I'm talking like 30, 60 days, you know, very fast. And uh, this is going to be something that's going to come together very quickly. We're going to, as I said, pivot and iterate. That's all the innovation process. But if anyone does want to learn any anything else about this, we have a lot of information on the foundation site, which is the beckleyfoundation.org, but as well you know, we also have a cryptocurrency which supports pediatric cancer research, and that's curetoken.com or .net. You can go to either. And then we are putting together our white paper for CureChain as we speak. So that will be released here fairly shortly. And uh, there'll be a lot of information on there. And some of the stuff that we covered off on a surface level, there's going to be a lot more into the technology and the monetization and the token economics and all those sorts of things. I love it. It's a secure way for people to get involved and actually take control of that really valuable data that they're, they're putting out there and, and really, not to admit, sounds cliche or thing, but make the world a better place. And if we don't own the data, somebody else is going to monetize it on our behalf. We need to get there first. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I look at this as a way, Jacob, of somebody taking back control of their digital life, their digital data, where I think all too often people become complacent, like, yeah, my phone's tracking me or eh, that's kind of weird that I said this company, all of a sudden I'm getting ads from them. And it always it always makes people a little little uh, uncertain, I guess. But nobody changes any behavior because I don't know what we actually change to. Mm-hmm. And so, looking at these methods and, like we said, trying to defeat some very serious diseases and save lives in a very secure way too, just icing on the cake. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. This is going to be a pretty revolutionary time in the healthcare industry, and I'm just glad we're participating in it, even in this small capacity. But I think we're going to be able to accomplish quite a bit. Jacob Beckley, Chairman, Beckley Foundation, the Executive Vice President of Technology, Product, and Innovation at Fusion 92, and the founder and CEO of Cure Token. Thank you for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. Good luck to you. Excited to follow all of your progress and all your successes. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on. That's going to do it for this episode of Healthcare Americana. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out online at healthcareamericana.com. Catch previous episodes, subscribe to our mailing list, visit our awesome online store. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all our episodes, visit the shop, and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro and managed by Melissa Turpin. Healthcare Americana is brought to you by Freedom HealthWorks and Freedom Doc. If you've been struggling to get the care you need and the access you want, it's time to join your local Freedom Doc. Visit freedomdoc.care to find the practice location nearest you. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com 
and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.